Welcome back to another episode of Multifamily Forward presented by Mark Taylor Residential. I'm Adam Greco and as always, our president, Mr. John Carlson. Great to be here, Adam. Always, always a pleasure. Um, we are blessed today with a special guest and I'm looking forward to bringing him on and, and discussing more, but we're talking about navigating investments in the build to rent uh, arena asset. Uh, we have uh, Trevor Koskovich, president uh, from Northmark uh, for investment sales. Um, before we bring him in, though, John, um, Mark Taylor, of course, we're a consulting uh, company, property management, development organization. Why is it so important for us to understand the perspective of, of from investors? Yeah, as part of what I'll say is just really understanding the pulse of the market. You have to understand as you're outreaching for new consulting business, as you're looking for new property management owners, you have to really understand what their investment objectives are. So in those introductory calls or through those relationships over time, you really have to get a feel and understanding of what their investment thesis is. What I mean by that is, are they looking for a value add play? Right. Are they more of an institutional group looking for a perfect macro positioned asset that will stand the test of time? Uh, are they looking to do really a, a quick flip type of investment process and, and get out within two to three years? Are they long-term? So understanding all of those elements really would help us and our team in guiding them in terms of what they're seeking in this specific market because we know every road, every back street. So I think that's really useful in terms of those conversations and forging ahead with that relationship. Great. Um, and from your perspective, have we seen an elevated interest from from investors and ownership groups in the BTR space? And is it, it a two-part question, sorry, is it just here uh, in Phoenix locally or has it spread nationally? I think certainly Phoenix has been the, the incubator of sorts along with parts of Texas and Florida. I really think, uh, you know, in the mid-2010s, you really saw a, a ramp up of, of capital investment into the development of BTR. And no question, they've been incredibly successful in this marketplace from an operational perspective. So I think the next phase of that will be seeing more of an investment uh, type appetite for those type of products as we surge in supply and, and start to create more, I'll say, viable product to deliver on a disposition side. So uh, I think good things ahead. Well, why wait? Why not bring the expert in? Let's do it. All right. Well, without further ado, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Trevor Koskovich, mm. the president of Northmark for investment sales. Trevor, how are you? Well, thank you guys for for having me here. I, I don't know that I live up that to that type of billing, but you know, <laughs> I'm honored to to be mentioned in such a capacity. So, well, we're, thanks we're, for having me, and yeah, excited to be a part of this. Lucky yeah. to have you. Yeah. So, before we dive in on on your expertise, we're going to pepper you with uh, some questions so our viewership can uh, can learn a little bit about you. I'm ready to go. So, I did a little research uh, prior. Oh wow! So, hopefully, you didn't one, dig. Too far. No, too no, no, not no, too no, shallow. No, no. Shallow. <laughs> shallow. Yeah, no, it was all good. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. I promise. <laughs> exactly. Everything is is okay to to, to say right. online. Great. Great. So first thing I learned, you're a licensed pilot. I am a licensed pilot. I have been flying for quite some time. I really enjoy it. It started as a hobby, then it really transcended into business travel and getting around. And I love to travel. I love to travel both professionally and personally. It's something I really enjoy. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time now and, and just really enjoy the whole process, the decision making, the, the thought that goes into it, the planning, the, 
all the the technical aspects of being a pilot are, are what I really enjoy, and it's something I still enjoy doing today. You know? Well, if you ever need a passenger, I'm happy to ride with you anytime. <laughs> Plenty of room. All You're right, always good, welcome, good. that's for sure. Another fact that I saw is that you are a the co-star power broker since 2012. I, I, I don't know where they get those things, but sure, I guess, I guess so. I mean, we, we've been very active in this market for a really long time, and- you know, I think with with what comes with that are a lot of accolades along the way, and that's great. We, we've been very active in the multifamily space here in Phoenix for you know fifteen plus years. We have a great team, been very active, and you know the best part about that is you know really developing a business that you know that works for our clients and and has an opportunity to learn so much along the way. So yeah, we're 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 really proud of that. Well, let's hit you with a couple questions here. So the first one, do you have a motto that you live by? You know, I wouldn't say I, I necessarily have some kind of motto that I live by per se, but, you know, one of the things that my parents taught me at a very, very early age was if you're going to do something, do it right, right? Like, don't get in there and kind of half-ass it, so to speak. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know if that's even appropriate on a podcast Absolutely like this, it but, is. you know, at the end of the day, you know, my parents were like, look, if, if you're going to do something, do it right, right? Everything you want to do, do it with with intent, with purpose, with thought behind it. And that's going to really be impactful in life, right? So never, never, never get in there and kind of second guess something, either all in or or just don't do it at all. But there's no really in between in life. And yeah, you know, that comes down to like, you know, being at the grocery store and taking your shopping cart back to the front of the grocery store. Like you don't leave it in the Something parking simple, lot. Something right? Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, every time I think about anything I'm doing, I'm like, am I doing this the right way? And, and you know, that's something that has always kind of carried on with me, not just like in business, but professionally. And it really kind of goes through with, with everything. You know, you talk about me being a pilot. It was like, we're going all in, right? I'm not going to just kind of get halfway through this and hope yes. it works out. It was we're going to do this and we're going to learn how to do it. We're going to be really good at it. Right. And you're going to do your best every single time you do something. And I would say that that motto, that effort, that energy that goes into my business, my professional life, my personal life, those things, it, it's just transcends every part of that. And so if there is a motto, it's just do it right. You know, be Love all it. in, be committed. No, no kind of fastness, so great. to speak. Yeah. Have you had a book or movie you, you have seen as of recent that uh, it just kind of hit you, inspired you, that yeah. you'd like to share? Anything as of recent? You know, I, I, I would say, you know, I, I read a lot of various different things. You know, I'm not one of these people that focuses on one topic or another. I'm, I'm very open to that. I'm very open to watching different movies or seeing different perspectives. I love a good documentary or if somebody recommends something, I'm always interested. You know, I don't want to waste my time, so I'm hoping it's something that I get something out of from a meeting right. perspective. Uh, you know, look, my favorite book of all time is Atlas Shrugged, um, which has just been life-changing for me and my perspective on, you know, the way I look at things, the way I behave, the way I look at the way your efforts go into what you're doing and and that your efforts really are your value, right? Your production Great. is your value as a, as a human being and something that transcends. I mean, recently I've been reading Barbarians at the Gate, which is a, a really fantastic book about the RJR Nabisco LBO deal. Oh, that, wow. um, you know, it's it's interesting to learn their perspective. And this was big time LBO, uh, you know, leveraged buyout business in the 80s and, you know, how that, that deal came together. I, I love a good story about 
some, you know, kind of how something comes together and, and why it works out. And you, you learn about all these personalities and things that right. go into it and, you know, learning from those things. I mean, that, that's been a really interesting read here recently that I've enjoyed and, and something I'm about halfway through and really looking forward to getting through the back good. half of the book. So, good, good, yeah. good. Well, I hope uh, with this last question, I hope I didn't uh, give something away that you were planning on sharing already. But uh, for our viewers, is there something that you'd like to share that maybe no one knows about you that they didn't expect from you? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that I have anything magical and unique. I mean, I, most of the time I do tell people I am a pilot. I think a lot of people don't know that about me. I think that's, that's something that's a little bit more unique about me than maybe some other folks as I've spent a lot of time on that. I do, I do travel quite a bit. Uh, I, we have, like have a running joke in our house about how many states we've been to. I've been to 47 of 50 states in America. Oh, that's great. I've traveled the world. Uh, used to do a lot of high altitude hiking or, or high elevation hiking. I've traveled the world to do that. Uh, that Obviously, after kids and life and you get busy, it's been a little right. bit harder to do that. But I've enjoyed my, my ice picking my way up some, some pretty precarious stuff over the years. Uh, but you know, I, I think for the most part, I'm just kind of a regular guy that's working hard and enjoy life. Flies, regular yeah. ice picks. Well, we, we need to, <laughs> we need to know what the remaining three States are. Don't yeah. we? Well, I'm down, believe it or not, I'm down to Alaska, Ohio, and Kentucky, but yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. I, I don't nice. know how it hasn't happened. You know, as a guy who grew up in the Midwest, I don't know how I miss those, but. Uh, my remaining three states. So we'll see. Maybe well, good. I, hopefully I'll make it there. You know, just got to so. go to a Reds game. You fly into Kentucky and or the Kentucky Derby. That's, that's high on my list. Better. An outstanding sporting event. I've never even never better. Been to. I'm big sporting event guy. Super Bowls and big events. I I enjoy going to that kind of stuff. And the Kentucky Derby so high on my list. So yeah. I love it. Yeah, I'd love I love to. it. Yeah. Well, good. Well, how about uh, gentlemen? You, you guys ready to dive in? Of course. Let's, roll. Let's do this. Let's go. do this. So Trevor. Um, Historically, uh, investors have been more um, inclined to the normal or general uh, product type, uh, a garden style, okay. uh, mid-rise, high-rise. Um, what has changed and what is making BTR so attractive to investors? You know, this the whole aspect or thought process, like let's say the business ethos behind buying and owning Build to Rent really started coming out of the GFC, right? I mean, coming out of the yeah. great financial crisis, we saw so many homes that went into foreclosure. You're talking about a market like Phoenix had over 100,000 single family homes and what we refer to as shadow inventory, right? So this was inventory that was possibly in the rental pool owned by investors. And we looked at, we started to review that and understand that as part of the total residential rental housing count in town. And so what happened, as you can imagine, as everybody has seen, you've seen huge Wall Street funds that have moved into that space and they started aggregating these houses in, in a multitude of different ways. And I think that really started to become the birthplace or the thought process behind, hey, we can invest in this in large scale. Now, there, there really are three types of build to rent, right? Single family, purpose built, Thank or non-contiguous. Um, you know, disparate sites that are, you know, individual homes, townhomes, and then, you know, what we refer to as cottage or single story apartments. Sure. You know, the, the, the build to rent space, you know, in the cottage component, which is what we've seen the largest proliferation in here in Phoenix, really is more of a continuation of what we see in, in a garden style apartment, right? So it's going to act and feel and look the same as other garden projects. It's just you don't have anyone living above you or below you. You maybe have one shared wall or no shared walls. 
And that really started going because there was money behind it. There was a lot of development dollars that got into it. Obviously, we saw Next Metro, who was clearly, you know, an adaptation of what was going on in Tucson for many, many years. I right. mean, they were building stuff down there a long time ago. Everybody thought this was just like revolutionary when they came to Phoenix. In fact, there were folks that were doing it for a long time down there. Obviously, you saw Christopher Todd and his proliferation, uh, which they did a fantastic job taking what was Next Metro's ideas and products and taking them to the next level, which I thought to be really fascinating from a fit and finish standpoint. And then we've seen it continue to evolve from there in the capacity of townhomes and now America's Homes for Rent, which is doing purpose-built contiguous communities. And so really what the driver behind that was, was this just this huge influx of development dollars that were raised from some of the largest funds in the U.S. that said, hey, we want to concentrate on this. We see this as an opportunity. We actually see this maybe in some capacities as a better product type operationally for the tenant, for the person, for the client that's living there. And these dollars just kind of kept rolling in. And as a ramification, we started to see the product evolve and develop into all these different capacities, which you start to see today. And so, you know, it's been a really interesting run. It's been interesting to see people evolve. It's been interesting to see you know, someone who was a market leader and what they've changed from that and how they've changed and, and what's driving that today. So it's it's really been, it's been a pretty interesting run. And to John's point earlier, you know, Phoenix really in some places was the birthplace or, you know, the original pioneer of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have more in this space uh, from a standpoint of total uh, re- uh, residential rental units than anybody in any other market in the United States. So we've seen it all really develop here. And proliferate across the U.S. It's just been a fantastic kind of story to watch and a, an interesting to, thing to follow in my mind. So. Well, it's a perfect segue because I'm going to ask you both the same question, if you don't mind. Yeah. From your client base and and our client base here, are we seeing an elevated interest from investors in the BTR space, encompassing all the different product styles within BTR? I, I you know, I think from an investment standpoint, everybody is now you know starting to identify their niche, right? I mean. There are, I would say, a, a traditional apartment buyers that are not going to buy purpose-built single-family homes. I mean, sure. that's just not their thing, sure. right? Just like you see the uh, invitation homes or the progress residential, they're not going to buy the bungalow style or single-story apartments. They're not going to move downstream, right? The townhomes kind of fit both sides of the paradigm sure. to some sure. degree. But the demand is, I think, is still fantastic today as I think people are starting to see the operational benefits that are associated with it. Well, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, I think it goes back to what the what the renters are choosing to do, right? So it's almost like voting with your wallets. We have an influx of people coming from California, the Northwest, Chicago, New York, et cetera. I think for, uh, you know, I'll use Christopher Todd's phrase, new way to live. Right. Uh, I think experience and psychology are a component of this. So when you think about a renter, the experience of living in a BTR, just say we'll pick on cottages or even go up to a BB living three and four bedroom house right. with direct access garage. It's about the experience of that rental. Right. And if you think about the psychology of interest rates today, um, we have a class A demographic, average household income, 115,000 and change. Yep. You know, they have the opportunity if they have the will to go buy a house. I think the reality is that, you know, today there's some resistance to that from a psychology perspective. They think rates are high which they are if you compare them over a short time window, five to 10 years. Uh, if you go longer tail, they're not that high, right? You go back, you see starting to incorporate 80s, yes. 90s, et cetera. So I think there's a psychology component to that. I can 
save some money. I can live in this type of product. Uh, I want a backyard, right? I want a, a doggy door. And sure. I want no one above or below me in, in the instance yes. of a cottage. So, you know, those things matter. I think investment dollars will start to follow uh, those renters. So as we start to surge in supply here, as we are in Phoenix Metro, uh, I think we're going to see a delineation effect of, you know, those that want to be in those type of spaces will be there. Uh, as rates come back down and or there's more homes available, we know we're kind of, you know, as Ivy Selman says, we're kind of stuck right. in a single family for sale part of the, the, the I'll say, timeline today. Uh, it's really about what happens next with with rates and what do investors do as they start to see how how residents choose to, to live. Right. You, Trevor, going back to you uh, on the same question here, you know, with your client base and what you're seeing, do you see those investors? What is the benefit for them? You, you were talking about, you know, specific business models, you yeah, know, the, the traditional garden. They're not going to really be expanding into the BTR space. But right. for the investors that are interested, yeah, what what is the benefit for them? I think from an investment standpoint, I mean, they're looking at this in a couple of capacities. I think, you know, one of them is operations, right? I think one thing that we've noticed that's very clear is that there's a lot less turnover in these projects, right? I, I, I'm sure you guys are saying, seeing that statistically. People have a higher propensity to move in and stay in. So what more that- sticky. Yeah, yeah. So it's a much more sticky product. So what that translates into is, is less turnover costs, less operational costs. I mean, we have seen, you know, operationally, we have seen costs be on average from a percentage standpoint you're operating these projects traditionally a little bit lower. Now, part of that is that the gross rent is so high relative to just a traditional garden deal, but there are benefits to the operational component. And so we saw a lot of dollars raised behind the efficiency, to John's point, of chasing the tenant, right? right. This is what the tenant wants. And we've seen this time and time again. If you have a brand new garden asset directly across the street from a brand new build-to-rent project, Traditionally, the build-to-rent stuff is outperforming, both from a revenue standpoint and an OPEX standpoint. And those dollars do translate from an investment standpoint. I, I think it's it continues to be meaningful, and I think people are going to continue to see that. And that's why we continue to see money chasing this this aspect or, or this specific segment of the market. So going down that same pathway as far as um, seeing a benefit on the on the OPEX side, yeah. um, as we continue to face economic head, headwinds, what are you seeing two, three, two, three years down the line? Well, I think the the big thing today really is that the cost of homeownership versus renting, that gap is just getting wider and wider and wider. And so as a ramification of that, I think there will be people that are by necessity renters that otherwise would have qualified to be a homeowner, right? I mean, we have an all-time low in housing supply. That's partly uh, because 80% of America is stuck in a four percent mortgage or lower or less yeah. right yeah and so they don't really have this propensity to move if you move you're going to be moving into a lesser home with higher costs so you're not going to see new inventory really hitting the market in any meaningful way except for the home builders and the home builders continue to develop on the outer fringes of town and that that's not going to be a fit for everybody so if you want to have something that's more infill you want to have something that feels the same way as being a homeowner and delivering that same experience so exactly. to speak, that's what's going to continue to drive activity there. And I think that's a really important part of where this is at. And I, I think that that difference in home ownership versus renting is going to continue to stay wide for some period of time. So for the next two to three years, I think we're going to continue to see expansion from a tenant standpoint. I mean, we do have a tremendous amount of supply here. 
uh, that's coming into the market. Um, I, you know, that that number can vary depending on what you're using. It's somewhere between twelve and fifteen thousand units. At least that's kind of where we're projecting for deliveries this year. That that needs to get absorbed. Uh, that will create probably a little bit of softening in the rent near near term. Sure. But the embedded job market that's here, that's coming, that's impending, that and those jobs powerful. aren't even here are really really powerful. And I think all those the absorption gets sucked up by all these jobs because a lot of these jobs they don't live here. The people that are going to fill these jobs are actually coming from out of state or even out of the country in the cases of like Taiwan Semiconductor. So yeah, I think there's a, a real interesting dynamic. Phoenix, the pendulum swings pretty hard here. And that's because you oversupply and then you undersupply. And so those kind of knee jerks, which are getting better with time, um, you know, will continue to prove to be opportunistic for certain people going forward. Sure. You know? Sure. I'll just, let me add. So I, I just think that, you know, Trevor alluded to this earlier, you know, we're really in, I'll say, the start of generation 3.0 for the build to rent space. Certainly. Uh, and I think- Certainly in Phoenix. Sure. And I think, you know, the 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 market fundamentals, overall, overall demand exceeding supply for really 12 straight years post-GFC, if you think about what that meant early on, it meant that you could be really successful as a developer and manager in the BTR space with limited amenities. You didn't have to really recreate anything. Uh, it was more supply and demand. Right. I think 3.0, and as we move through this cresting of supply over the next three years, I, I think amenities will matter. Uh, you know how that building, you know, fits that potential renter. Right. Matters now. They'll have four or five choices where five years ago it wasn't the case. So I think that's going to matter. You know, do you have a a, a, a resort style pool? Do you have a fitness center? Of course. Uh, what are the interior finishes like? All of those things will will factor into those decisions as renters have more choice as they move through that process. You know, you both mentioned interest rates as far as the single family home buyer, right? Um, and BTR is very attractive when when pricing is unattainable per se right. for, for certain buyers. Um, what do you see happening if and when those interest rates to, compared to rent, uh, rental rates, uh, that gap just it compresses? Yeah, do you see this being an issue for, for that for that product space? I, I don't. I think, you know, as John mentioned earlier, I mean, there's still a lot of people that are renting by choice, right? So this is, it's not all necessity and it's not all choice, right? I don't think it's, you can universally say that's a static comment. I think there are people in a market like Phoenix where we have a lot of net in migration that are going to move here and rent out of the gate because they want to. They want to understand what it's like to live in Phoenix. These are still going to be top wage earners. These are still going to be class A tenants from a, a you know a desirability standpoint. Right. I think those folks are going to want to come here. So that I think there's always a constant pipeline for that, even when you can afford to buy a house. I mean, clearly these projects were filling up at breakneck speed when we had 2% interest rates. Right. You know, here we are with almost 8% interest rates and they're still doing well and they're still outperforming. So I think what, what in my mind has happened is this product has really inserted itself into the capacity of a conversation of what lifestyle you want to live. And for certain people, whether that's millennials that maybe are starting a family or whether that's folks that are retiring and using all the equity in their house to get to a more fixed income perspective, right? I, it really fills so many buckets that I think the demand here just continues to proliferate. At least that's my expectation. You're, not, you're not dealing with the unexpected emergencies as a normal home buyer goes through, right? That's right. No one has to be out there spraying for weeds, cutting their own lawn, you're being taken care of when you're in that BTR fully amenitized 
community. Well, that's professionally managed by Mark Taylor. There we go. Oh, nice plug. <laughs> nice plug. I like it. John, do you see anything different? No, I mean, I think you can never underestimate the weight of of the rates in the Fed. Right. And if you listen to, I'll say, uh, the signal versus noise with Powell and team, I think these rates are going to hold out for a while. Uh, I, I don't see them racing back to the bottom anytime soon. So I think that extends even if they flatten out through end of year 2024. Uh, I think the runway is longer than what many folks anticipate. Sure. And I think that only benefits uh, us on the operational side and certainly developer side uh, from a, a resident perspective, because I just don't see a race to buy homes. And clearly we have a supply issue because as Trevor mentioned, people just aren't willing to get rid of that 4% interest rate, at least today. Yeah. Well, there's also a big demographic shift that's going on in America, right? I mean, we are losing a tremendous amount of people in the workforce. And, you know, as those, unfortunately, you know, as those things happen, you know, you know, you have 3% unemployment, there's 10 million unfilled jobs right now today as, you know, as we're talking about this. And, you know, as you continue to see baby boomers leaving the the job market, um, you know, it, that's going to put a lot of pressure on inflation and rates and, and it's going to make it more challenging. And so as we go through this kind of demographic shift, I think, again, Bill Durant has a unique position in that demographic shift in America and how it really impacts inflation and, Makes and rates and in our work environment in, in the months and years ahead. Perfect. Well, I'm going to put both of you on the spot with this question. I'm going to make you guys put uh, 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 your best forecast as far as uh, the demand in the BTR space. What do you see long-term for BTR, SFR, BFR, et cetera? Yeah. John, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, uh, I think that you know today versus even, I'll say, going back to 2018 or five years ago, it's really entrenched itself as a, as a true sector of the business. What, all I mean by that is you have High rise, mid rise, garden style, traditional, and you have, now you have BTR. Right, right. You can you can layer in the categories that that Trevor mentioned. Uh, it's here to stay, and I think what we've learned, uh, and this is not to oversimplify it, but no one's above or below you. You have backyard space. You have a doggy door for Fido. Those things matter. Yeah. And if you simply don't want to take the risk, or you want to create flexibility in your life, which I think really matters if you look at demographics for sure with millennials, but absolutely for Gen Z. So do they want to go put a down payment down if they have it and really lock themselves into a specific location? I don't know that they do. Uh, I think those two generations specifically are really seeking experience. So you can get that um, with a, uh, you know, almost like traditional living experience sure. in terms of a single family rental uh, with BTR. So I, I think over time, this will be sticky. I think turnover will continue to be low. Uh, now that could shift slightly if just say rates plummet. Uh, in 2026, just arbitrary sure. guess. You never know what the Fed's going to do. Um, so let's just say rates get back to 2%. There could be some exodus at that time. But again, they're looking for locations and experience. And as Trevor mentioned, the home builders today really can't afford to build in those experience areas or pockets. Right. Uh, you have to go fringe and sure. they'll grow over time. But I, I think that will be a mitigating factor for, for, that, for that exodus. Great. Yeah. I mean, perspective-wise, to just explain how much runway is left here, Phoenix is the largest builder market in the United States from the capacity of percentage of total residential rental units. And that's still less than 3% of our rental units in this market. Wow. And we're the largest. Wow. So you go to places like Dallas and Houston and parts of Florida. Right. Less than 2%. 
So in my mind, where does this go if it turns into 10%, 15%, 20%? If operationally it continues to be successful, if if there are land opportunities to build this, and in places like Texas there are, I think this has such a huge runway ahead. And that's really just based on the success that's coming from this operationally. And that thus far, we're still really in like inning one of the baseball analogy here. I mean, we're talking about less than 3% and we're the biggest market Imagine if it just gets to 7%, 8 right. something like that. So the development, the proliferation in this space is going to continue to be there. You know, and I'm with John. I think rates are going to stay, you know, moderately high or high or higher than they've been historically, at least over the last 10 years, for some period of time. And if that gap is there um, and and the demographics say, you know, millennials and, and baby boomers want that flexibility, the demand is there, it all really lines up to be quite special and and to be a really big part of what we're doing from a residential rental housing perspective. And so I think um, I think it's going to continue to expand. And I think we're really, really in the beginning phases of this, candidly. Great insight. I appreciate it from both of you. Uh, Trevor, we started a little bit of a tradition with all of our special guests. All right. Are you ready for this? Let's hear it. We, uh, we ask, uh, what are you most grateful for today? What am I most grateful for today? Put it on a T for you. That's a pretty easy yeah. question. Yeah, of course. yeah, of course. Well, there's a lot to be grateful for. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'm I'm very thankful and grateful for my family and my health. You know, it's like you know, you stuff. you know you meet a lot of people that are struggling with things and various things either at home or you know from a personal health standpoint. I'm just I'm happy to be on the right side of the ground. I'm happy to go home every day to a family that supports me. And, and that I really enjoy their time together. And so, you know, I would say if I have a tremendous amount of gratitude is behind that today, that's for sure. I mean, it's just, it's nice to know that even when the market's suffer, you got a lot going on, that when you get home, there's somebody there and you're not worried about being sick. You're not worried about, you know, your health holding you back from being sure. able to do something. And so for that, I'm grateful. I love it. Yeah, I love I was, it. John, what do, what, do you, what do you have for today? Uh, you know, I have a thousand things to say. Um, I'll say I'm grateful for Trevor coming in. I know you, you have a busy schedule. I know transaction <laughs> well, market uh, volume yeah, the is mar- dipped. Yeah, the mar- market's slow, but we're uh, we're working hard. Sometimes but not, it makes not it more busy. We, we couldn't do this in 2021 right. <laughs> when you're working 24 hours a day. This is true. Uh, so I'm grateful for, you for, for, for carving out some time for us. Well, thank uh, you, John. Much appreciated. It means a lot. Uh, secondly, I also appreciate you know your level of expertise, uh, especially broadening out my horizon across the, the country, if you will. So. Uh-huh. Not to get too micro in Phoenix and Nevada and mm-hmm. Las Vegas, but really making sure that I'm, you know, looking around the corner from a national perspective. So you give me a lot of insight. Um, lastly, I think I'll just touch on one thing. I'll, I'll do three. Uh, you mentioned, you know, your family lifts you up, and I constantly seek out more than ever people that want John to be successful. John's family, John's friends, right, uh, in- including Mark Taylor and in our pathway. So. Uh, I know you've always, you know, if I call you, you're there to help me and I would always do the same for you. So I think, you know, looking for those folks, those partnerships, those relationships that, that lift everybody up, uh, that's important to me. Were you reading my mind? I had this all ready to, to provide my answer and I was going to say two things. Well, let's one, hear it. one is every episode that we, that we have, uh, recorded it and, and, and completed, I am learning something new every single time and i'm just making sure that i consume every single bit of of, of what is being shared with me so yeah. very very grateful for that um the second thing is that i i'm lucky enough to surround myself with friends and colleagues that 
just like you said, have my best interests in mind. And they're always making sure that I'm doing okay. And I just, I want to be that, the same back to them. So, um, yeah, you still even have when, one. Even when we pick on you. Uh, yeah, but that's it's fun. It's not allowed. But yet. that's fun. It's though. all good love, all, right? Yeah, if you didn't pick on me, then I'm going to be nervous. That's right. Yeah. If you're not picking on me, you don't like me, right? I mean, yeah, that's exactly. how the saying goes. You're invested that's in right. the process. And you're right. I mean, it, it is important, you know, to show up on a professional level and, and have a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for the people that you're working with because that's what makes it so fun. You know, you spend so much of your day and so much of your life professionally driving towards goals and working together. And to do that with people you like, is it's a really critical part of it, I think. You know? Well, I, again, uh, as John said, we can't thank you enough for coming and joining us today. What a great uh, topic for us to discuss, and I'm sure we're going to have more. So if you're willing to come back again. Of course. Yeah, if you guys okay. are willing to See have how me. I, I made it, sure. It's quite an honor to be here. Yes. Uh, it, it's quite an honor to be here. And look, I, I thank you so much for including me and thinking so highly of you know, the, the work that we're doing both with, with Mark Taylor, with John, with everybody here uh, from a standpoint of what we're doing at Build Around. It's, it's really, it's neat to be a part of it. It's neat to be a part of something that's somewhat pioneering um, in, a, in a market that doesn't have a lot of pioneering going on. So yes. we're, we're excited to be a part of it. And thanks for having me. It's, it's really been an honor and a privilege. So. Thank you again, John. Thank you as always. Thank you. Great job. Um, here we, we, we got another one down in the books. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode, Multifamily Forward, presented by Mark Taylor Residential.